If you have a Bible, you can open it to Matthew 13. We'll look at verses 44 through 46 this morning. And the text is also there in the bulletin on the next page. So Jesus is always talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of our father, sometimes uh, he calls it. Uh, the, The word kingdom, that word shows up more than 50 times in Matthew's gospel. This is really a gospel about the good news, the good news of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So when Matthew describes Jesus' preaching, uh, as he does a few times, he says Jesus teaches or proclaims the good news. That word is uh, gospel. So the good news of the kingdom. Jesus talks about it himself that way. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is all about the presence and the power of the king with his people. So where the Lord wields his gracious power to bless his people, where he arranges for us to relate to him, to relate to God as he relates to God, as to our Father. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is where our reality is defined by communion with Jesus. It's defined by life with him rather than life apart from him. That's the kingdom. So to hear about this kingdom is fundamentally to hear good news. In Matthew 13, uh, Jesus has been teaching about this kingdom in several parables. Uh, We're going to look at two of those parables together this morning. They're two uh, short parables. They're obviously meant to be taken together. And Jesus says quite a lot here with only a few words. On a very basic level, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is worth getting excited about. Uh, Your whole life being defined by the king's love, that's a joyful prospect. Nothing is better than being with, uh, with God, God being with you in Jesus. So if you do get excited about the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus talks about then uh, we're gonna, it's going to change your life in every way. That's what we'll talk about this morning. So let's explore that together as we consider this word. Uh, let's pray, then we'll read the scripture. <clears throat> Father, the only way to truly consider the words of your Son is in a relationship with you through him where your Spirit is at work in us. So we pray that you would bless us with this gracious gift now as we consider this word together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So the basic message of these two short parables seems pretty clear, pretty straightforward. Here's how uh, D.A. Carson summarizes it in his commentary. He says that the kingdom of heaven is worth infinitely more than the cost of discipleship. Pretty straightforward. Both parables have a man discovering something of supreme value and then happily selling everything else that they own in order to get it. It's like, I mean, we haven't had a Lord of the Rings quote for a while, so... Uh, It's like the mithril shirt that Bilbo gave to Frodo, right? That that armor male shirt. He says it's... uh, Uh, Actually, Gandalf says, its worth was greater than the value of the whole shire and everything in it. 
So the worth of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is saying, the worth of the kingdom of heaven is greater than the value of anything and everything else in the whole world combined. So it's simple. You should never let anything prevent you from obtaining this kingdom. You ought to be willing to do anything to make any sacrifice to get this kingdom. Right? I mean, isn't that the message? Uh, Sure, sort of. It's not exactly how it comes across in the parable. Jesus is talking about a joy here. A joy that the language of, you know, should and ought and duty and obligation just doesn't quite communicate. It doesn't get across what he's saying in this parable. He doesn't say that the men in these parables... You know, thought really well. They objectively assessed the situation. They made their cold calculations, their cost-benefit analysis. They concluded that they should do this or that they ought to do that. And so then they bent their wills toward it. Uh, No, it says that their joy compelled them. They prized these treasures above all else. It was a matter of value. It was a matter of the heart's greatest love and delight for them. If you... Don't love the kingdom of heaven best of all. Does it really help to hear that that you should? If you don't love the kingdom of heaven, if you don't love Christ best of all, does it really help to hear someone say you should? Jesus is saying the kingdom is like someone finding a treasure that so delights him that he has to get it, even if it means giving up everything else. That delight That joy in the thing which is valued beyond measure, that's the focus of what Jesus is talking about. Not a sense of obligation, what you should do, you should be willing to do. That's what the kingdom is like, Jesus says. In the first parable, the man is surprised by the discovery of his treasure. Uh, In that culture, uh, if you had a treasure that you wanted to keep safe, you buried it somewhere where people wouldn't find it. Uh, they didn't have banks where you could just open a savings account, put your, you know, keep your treasure with them. <clears throat> so Jesus' original audience probably would have imagined here when he's telling this story, this was some long-forgotten treasure in somebody's field, maybe passed down through generations or something, stumbled upon by someone who's working the field that day. He wasn't expecting it. He wasn't searching for it. And then all of a sudden, there it was. It's like winning the lottery when you didn't even know you had the ticket. And of course, he'd do anything to get that treasure because of his joy, it says. Jesus says, because of his joy. So whatever else he might have owned uh, would pale in comparison to this treasure. Giving up treasure, uh, giving up everything else in order to get this treasure is obvious at this point. It's obvious. It's perfectly wise. It's perfectly right. It's perfectly good. It doesn't take that much calculation. No one could tell him he was being a fool for selling everything that he had to get this treasure. He wouldn't be able to sell that old stuff quickly enough to get this treasure. Whatever it takes to obtain the rights to this treasure. In the second parable, the merchant um, is in search. In search of fine pearls. He is looking for something. He knows good pearls when he sees them, and then he finds this one, this singular pearl of great value, unlike anything he's ever seen before, maybe greater than what he even hoped to find. 
and he absolutely must have it. He's been looking for something all along, and he recognizes this is worth everything I've got. Whether the discovery is a complete surprise out of the blue like the first parable, or the discovery comes at the end of a long search like the second parable, the result is the same. There's only one thing to be done. It makes perfect sense. Whatever it takes, you get that treasure. Whatever it takes, you get that pearl. <clears throat> That's the response of someone who has discovered something of the greatest value. That is the normal response of someone who has discovered a joy that is previously beyond conceiving. Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's not a matter of, <clears throat> it's not a matter of should or ought or reluctant duty or fulfilling some sense of obligation to find the right thing and do it. It's a matter of desire and delight moving your heart toward that treasure to obtain it. Do you know what that's like? Do these parables resonate with you? I mean, it's understandable that you could imagine the metaphor finding a lost secret treasure, you know, or the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Maybe you could imagine the metaphor, but do you know the reality to which the metaphor is pointing? Does the idea of your whole life being defined by the king's love sound to you like the best news you've ever heard? Does your heart leap at the mention that God is with you? Does it leap at the mention that God lives in you? When you consider how the Lord wields his gracious power to arrange for you to relate to him, to arrange for you to commune with him, does it evoke such a joy in you that it would make everything else in this world pale in comparison, that it would be an obvious no-brainer for you to give anything for it. If your honest answer is, yes, I know exactly what this means. I love Jesus. I love the kingdom of Christ this way. Then, hey, sermon over. <laughs> you don't have to listen anymore. But if your honest answer is, I'm not sure I know this particular joy. I'm not sure if Jesus is the greatest overwhelming love of my heart then you should probably keep on listening. Listen again to the good news of the kingdom. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. <clears throat> so each of these parables has two main objects, uh, if that's the best way to talk about it. Uh, uh, there's the thing of great value, right? the treasure. And then there's the man who found it and sold everything to get it. And here the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure. It's like a joy-inducing treasure, worth any price. Did you think you were supposed to be the man who found it? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So the kingdom of heaven here is, it's like the merchant whose heart was set on getting this glorious pearl that he valued above all else. The merchant is the main character here. Did you think that was describing you? 
I wonder why we automatically assume the role of the main character in the story. There is someone that this describes perfectly. Someone just like this merchant. Someone just like the main characters in these two parables. There is one whose heart leaps with joy at the prospect of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. At the prospect of God communing with us. At our lives being absolutely defined by the love of God. There is one whose joy moved him to get this kingdom even though it cost him everything. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So for Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is worth any cost, even the cost of his own life, the life of the Son of God incarnate. For Jesus, the joy-inducing treasure, the pearl of great value, is the kingdom. It's being with you. It's being with us. God will not live without us. Just as the man wanted nothing in life apart from this treasure, just as the merchant would not live without this pearl, God will not live without us. For God, it is not a matter of duty or obligation or should or ought. For God, it is a matter of joy. It's a matter of what he values. It's a matter of his heart's greatest love and delight in Jesus Christ God so delights in the kingdom, in arranging for us to relate to him and to commune with him. He so delights in the kingdom that he invested himself in it utterly, without reservation, without hesitation. John writes in 1 John 4, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. In this is the kingdom, not that we treasured God but that he treasured us. Not that we would have sacrificed everything for God, but that he sacrificed everything for us. As sinners, according to our very nature, by definition, we are not moved to delight in God's kingdom. We chose to go our separate ways from God. Nevertheless, the king himself is moved to delight at the prospect of a relationship with us, and he has fully paid for the rights to obtain what he treasures. He is moved by joy, even though that means coming to sinners and being crucified by sinners and eating all the pain in order to forgive sinners. So now does the prospect of being with this king in his kingdom evoke some little measure of joy, maybe? What's What's your response to the idea of the king of heaven and earth paying the highest price, laying down his life to call you his treasure, you? Does his kingdom sound like good news to you? How do you conceive of his kingdom? Do you just want to avoid being on God's bad side? Is that how you usually conceive of uh, participating in God's kingdom? Got to do it or you'll get on God's bad side. Or is it a matter of delight for you? How would you talk about his kingdom with others? How do you want others to hear the good news of his kingdom? Would you think along the lines of these parables when you're sharing the gospel? If you mainly want others to learn how to clean up their lives, do the right thing and be better for the world or be spared from suffering eternal hell, is that quite the same thing as telling them that they can share in the king's own joy? In his kingdom? 
The good news of the kingdom changes everything in your life. Each moment becomes a gift. Each moment becomes an opportunity to know the king. So do you see his kingdom? And does it strike you as good news? Do you see it in every moment that way? Or uh, is each moment you know, all about what you should do or shouldn't do, all duty and chore and burden? Or is your heart connected to his kingdom by joy? Do you perceive each moment in your life as an opportunity to celebrate his kingdom, an opportunity to commune with Jesus, to relate to Jesus, to get to know him more, a privilege of relating to the Father of Jesus in the very spirit of Jesus? When you're called to pray, does it seem like a burden? Or does it seem like a glorious privilege to live with God in the name of Jesus? When you're called to forgive someone who's sinned against you, does participation in the kingdom sound like good news to you? Does it sound like a blessed opportunity to relate to Jesus in his own forgiveness? Or does it just sound like a painful price that honestly you're reluctant to pay? When you're called to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, does participation in the kingdom sound like good news to you? Does it sound like the pleasure is yours to be able to relate to the Lord Jesus in this way? Or is it cost prohibitive? When you're called to speak the truth in love to a brother or a sister in the church, do you get all stressed out? Or is it a chance to delight in his kingdom? Is it a chance to get to know Jesus more deeply? When you're called to give, when you're called to serve, when you're called to sacrifice, are you unmoved or moved reluctantly by a sense of guilt or duty? Do you hear the good news of communing with Jesus, joining him in his mercy, joining him in his generosity, in his self-giving service, joining him in his sacrificial love? The kingdom of heaven is Jesus, who for the joy set before him, went to the cross to purchase your life with God back from sin and death and to give you the gift of participating in his kingdom like he does. The privilege is singular. It is unlike any other good news you will ever hear. It's worth getting excited about in Jesus' opinion. So may your relationship with Jesus be the most joyful prospect for you, as it is for Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you. May living with him at each moment become the true treasure of your heart. May you delight in his kingdom with the king's own joy. Amen. Let's pray. Father, there are so many opportunities in life to relate to your son, to know you and commune with you in your love through faith in him. So many opportunities that we have not recognized to rejoice in your kingdom. So many times when your kingdom has seemed a stressful burden to us to participate in it. Help us always to perceive your kingdom as the highest blessing, even as your son joyfully considered it worthy of his own life. The only way we can delight in your kingdom is to see it as Jesus sees it with Christ's own spirit in us. So help us to enjoy our fellowship with you in every moment, even in the moments where it feels like we're being crucified because of our relationship with the crucified and risen Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.